Manuel, Pastor Manuel, that was wonderful. It uh, was a long passage, wasn't it? You know, um, I tried to decide how I could break that up, but it's just too too good of a passage, and it goes together so well. That passage in Acts chapter fourteen is is is, is really just one section divided into four major parts. And, uh, and so I couldn't divide it up, and I couldn't not read it. I think it's, we take for granted that we can all read. We take for granted that we say, go have a quiet time. You know, for the most of the church's history, the community read the material together. I think it's so important that we read the passages together out loud like that. So thank you, Pastor Manuel. What a great... Uh, opportunity that was. Um, we're in the um, the missionary journeys of Paul as we go through the book of Acts. The missionary journeys of Paul. <laughs> what you see up there on the map is is his first and second missionary journeys. Um, if you'll recall, what we've talked about the last few weeks, he went to the island of Cyprus and preached there, and then they went up to Antioch, which is where we get to meet them there. Antioch is um, the dot there in the middle of it, where all the roads intersect. Antioch is um, a place that they went, and if you remember last week, they ended up having to shake their feet as they were leaving the city, as people stirred up, religious people stirred up uh, persecution against them is what it says. And so Paul and Barnabas, Mark, John Mark has left them at this point. They travel down to Iconium following a Roman road that leads east of Antioch known as the Imperial Road. And they enter the city and guess where they start speaking first? The synagogue. That's the same pattern they always have to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Go to the, the Jews first. So they go to the synagogue and they begin to preach and teach. And they, they speak in such a way that both Jew and Gentile are coming to know that Jesus is the Messiah. But the passage that we just read is clear that trouble was stirred up and the cause the general public, those who do not believe, to turn against them and they run away. No, no, they don't run away. No, they... <coughs> sorry, I was thinking if you guys were paying attention. They, they, they stay for a long time speaking boldly the Word of God, the Word of Jesus, until plans to mistreat them and stone them. Remember, stoning was the traditional way of killing someone at that time, of executing a, a heretics. You would gather them and you'd either push them off the wall and so they'd fall and you'd heap stones upon them or you would tie them to something and then you would throw stones at them till they die. So the whole community was involved with the killing. And um, 
This was the, one of the common modes of execution at the time, like sending someone to the electric chair or the lethal injection. We've tried to make it more humane, but uh, I don't know what humane really means, do you? We've done some pretty awful things to each other. But um, they go and they, at that time when they, they notice, when they, God tells them they're about to be stoned, then they have to flee. Not because they're ashamed of the faith, not because they're afraid to even die. They're actually going to become martyrs at some point in their lives. But it's not time yet. They flee the town and they, they will flee. And they know that it's not time for them to die yet. God has a plan for them. I think some of us have forgotten that God has a plan for us too. We need to remember that God has a plan for us. And if you're not in the grave yet, God's still got a plan for you. So if we're sitting on our pews and our couches and we're not doing the will of God... It's probably not what we're supposed to be doing, right? God, I don't remember saying, and for him, I designated this spot at the pew to sit. No, we have plans that God has for us. And he works in us. And some, some of you have been called to big things. And some of you have been called to little things that change the world. And so they leave and they travel in section two. They travel um, to uh, they they go and 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 um, we see a man who cannot stand. He's he's been like that since birth. He can't walk, and he's a man of faith. And he's been that like you know we a lot of times we well if I have faith God will heal me. This guy's been like this for birth, and he's a man of faith, and God takes a long time to heal him. So we have to be patient, right? Sometimes it's after when we get our new body and new health that, we, that God heals us. But sometimes it's here on earth. And, and this man's uh, faith, at God command, Paul heals the man. And he's able to get up, which is a miracle. I mean, no apathy of the legs no he hasn't been able to walk all his life he's able to walk but that's actually not the focus of the story as you read it in its context and we like to focus on the healing because that's cool but it's not the focus of the story in fact the focus of the story is that the people of Listeria which they've traveled to proclaim that Paul and Barnabas are gods well, Paul is speaking, so he must be Hermes, the chief messenger of the Greek gods. And, the, well, if he's, then this other guy, Barnabas, must be Zeus, the lord of the gods, the, the sky god. Um, god of thunder, lightning. You know, the guy Arnold Schwarzenegger played in that latest commercial. That was funny. And um, so they, they, they say, well, if you guys are so powerful, you must be gods. 
And to see yourself in the position of a God, can you imagine how tempting that would be to let that go to your head? I mean, we see people on earth do that all the time. They put themselves in the position of God, right? I am God. They might not think of it, I'm God, those terms, but we put ourselves as gods all the time. I'm the ruler of my own life, right? I'm the master of my destiny. I'm the leader of my soul. In fact, I'm the one who saved myself because I said a prayer. That's not how it works. But according to Greek myth, Paul, uh, Zeus, and Hermes have come down to earth and, and done this before. So <coughs> the people of Listeria are lavishing with, host, uh, with hospitality because they don't want to be punished. Um, so the myth allows um, them to, to say that this... Um, so, you know, if you read verse 11, back there at verse 11, they're, they, they're, they're saying that they're, um, this in Lesterian, and Paul and Barnabas didn't speak the local language. So, um, so you know, when re- word, word hits them, they have to put a stop to this. And um, they don't let the... the godness that they've been bestowed go to their head. I can't imagine how tempting that would be. I mean, yeah, you just healed someone. Well, why not, right? A lot of good men have gone wrong when they claim themselves to be bigger than Jesus. I'm pretty sure that was a play, right? Anyways, and they, um, but they take this opportunity to turn down godhood and speak boldly about Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ. And, and even though they are tempted to follow what they can see, they choose to follow what they can't see. I mean, we, we do that too, right? It's easy for us to follow what we can see. It's hard for us to follow what we can't see. It's easy for us to put our faith in the bank account because we can see the numbers. Well, if anything, we've seen those go away really quickly. Jesus never fades. Part three, Paul and Barnabas, they, um, they speak boldly in Nope, there it goes. I'm on again. We might be having a bad court or something. Okay, I'll have to order a new one. But, Paul and Barnas are speaking boldly, 
and the Jews, the religious people there, follow them from Antioch and Iconium, and they stone Paul and leave him for dead. Now, can you imagine this? Having stones piled upon you as you've been hit over and over again, and they leave you for dead, believing that you've died. Now, I tell you what, this is not something that you get over overnight. It's only by the grace of God he gets up. It's only because God's not done with him that he gets up. It's like saying, well, he went to the uh, lecture chair and then got up because God wasn't done with him. Went to the fiery furnace because God wasn't done with him. Went with the, you know, went through that surgery that got clear of that cancer because God's not done with you. Amen. And he was seriously injured but alive. So we know that God was in it. And this just goes to give credence to the message. In the fourth section, they're, 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 they don't run away. They go in and, and they don't go home and heal. They just go back through the area where people just tried to kill them. To make sure that the people are discipled and the elders or pastors are looking over in the way of Jesus Christ. Then they go home. Then they go home. It's not till after they make sure everyone else is okay. So what do we see? We see in this passage. We see, okay, so they speak boldly. People believe. The religious people force them to leave. Speak boldly and people believe. And people put their faith in what they cannot see. We speak boldly, and religious people follow and stone Paul. Speak boldly, and people believe, and we return uh, the disciples and care for believers. So we see that if you speak boldly with the power of Christ, what do you People believe. But what we do not see is if you speak boldly with people of Christ, is that your life is going to be rosy. See, a lot of us have traded Rosie for people believing. We're not interested in people believing. We're interested in our lives being rosy. And that's not what the Bible says, is it? It says if we speak boldly in the name of Jesus Christ, people believe. And what's more important, your life being rosy? When you know that in the end, this is not your home. This is not your resting place. You are not going to live here forever, no matter how rosy your life is. You've got a home that's in the promised land. And we get a temporary heaven that we get to go to, and then we get to the new heaven, the new earth the book of Revelation talks about. We've got a home. The old, old songs say, in glory land. 
This passage is not a passage of discouragement. This passage is a a passage of encouragement. That if we serve God, if we follow God, if we spoke mildly, people will come to Christ. And the wonderful thing is, is we don't all have to be like Paul or like Barnabas, you know, even in this passage, we saw Paul and Barnabas, two very different people using their gifts very differently. You don't have to be Paul and Barnabas. You have to be you using the gifts God has given you to speak boldly. To speak boldly with the gifts that God has given you. In our actions, our words, in our vision. Vision, where are we looking? Are we looking forward with the goal of Christ? Because if we're looking forward with our eyes, we're going to be like, I want rosies. Maybe less posies, right? Posies are the death flower, right? We want all roses and no posies. We want... Our eyes want comfort. I mean, that's why one of our biggest prayers, put that hedge of protection around us, right? Hurricane coming. I put that edge of protection around me. Not like God saying, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't build your house in the middle of a hurricane path. Just saying. You know, when they, they say, get out of town, maybe that's God saying, maybe you should leave. Your stuff will be there or not, you know, but that's just stuff. When we look forward about God, you know, when we look forward with God's eyes, we have a vision that is set our eyes on the things above, as the Bible will tell us. Because we're looking forward with the eyes of Christ. We're looking forward to others joining us with eternal life. And if we put our vision, put our vision on uh, our church's vision, we try to say, what is the will of Christ for us? And we're at a a tremendous time where our our vision has been forced to be thrown upside down. Last two years have been hard on churches across the United States. This one included. But you know what? God never said things are going to have roses. If we speak boldly, what's the vision for your family? Is it on God? When we speak boldly, people come to Christ. People will believe. Now, notice what it doesn't say is that everybody will believe. There are still people trying to stone them. But that isn't for you to decide. That's not your problem. We speak boldly and they will come. It might take some time. may not be the way it used to be. And we can't expect life to go back to the way it used to be. Church cannot go back to the way it used to be. 
We can't do things the way we did back then. We speak the truth. And we move forward. And God will lead us to the future. And as we believe, Hasatan, the great adversary, will challenge you, will lead you into temptation, will put adversaries into your path. But our job is to proclaim the will of God and to make disciples, not to run away. So as we think about our next steps, as we think about those things that have come, what should I do in my life? We think about the times where we've chosen comfort instead of boldness. Those times that we've chosen our own desires or to hide our gifts. We think about, have we accepted Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior for the first time? I'm not saying you have, you're not here at church because you don't you know, know who He is. I'm saying we believe in Him and accepted Him and followed Him. Because we know that God is the God of love. We also know He's the God of justice and righteousness too. Which means He's a judge. We know that He's the King. king above all kings, the Lord above all lords. And we know this. Maybe your next steps is I need to reach out and speak boldly in someone's life. Not condemning them, not judging them, not even inviting them to church. I know this is hard for us to hear because we want people at church. But we want people in the arms of Jesus. And then will they flood the church. Because our temptation is focused on the numbers. Well, our numbers are down. Well, that may be true. But if we speak boldly the message of Jesus Christ, then we won't have to worry about the numbers. Because people will come to him. So our, our challenge as we read the book of Acts has not changed. It is to speak boldly. Maybe for this year is to speak to one more person than you did last year. And for some of you that means one person. For some of you that may mean two people this year. But speak boldly. As we love Christ and his love boils through us to the world around us. Let us pray. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. Lord, we lift you up.
Lord, I know that my heart is heavy for those around us. There's so many false teachers out there right now. It seems that we cannot be heard. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to speak boldly and put people in our lives to speak boldly too. As we seek the lost, help us to see the lost around us. Help us to put our vision on you and the things that do not fade away. As we worship you, as we love you, as we seek you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a blessing. Thank you so much. It is a wonderful gift to be able to read the scriptures, isn't it? I know we... we a lot of times we, we say uh, we should uh, shorten the passages or whatnot, but we can't do that, can we? These passages are there, and we forget, we take for granted so much the ability to read and study our scriptures on our own. The idea of a quiet time, so foreign for most of the church's history. We were, you went and you listened to someone else read, so thank you for that. What a blessing. We, are, we have when we are reading the Word of God together and thinking about it together. Uh, we are so thankful. We are um, in the book of Acts 10. If you remember, we're on the missionary journeys of Paul. And uh, the map you see up there is uh, of his first and second missionary journeys. And I'm sure many of your Bibles have similar map in the back of it as well as you study your own scriptures and the blessing that is we have. This is um, together they go to Paul. If you remember from the last few weeks, they started their missionary journey. They went to Cyprus, the island there, and they traveled uh, to Barnabas's homeland. And they went and then they, they traveled up and John Mark left them. And then they, they went up to Antioch. Um, Antioch is the center road there where all the, all the roads meet there, right there. I know you can't see the word Antioch, but all the lines meet in Antioch. Um, Antioch was that place, if you remember from last week's sermon, that they, got, they preached there from the synagogue, and then some religious people sprung up in opposition to them and desired, it says, to persecute them. And uh, they were ran out of town and they ended up shaking the dust from their feet and leaving behind. And they're going to travel down to Iconium following a Roman road that leads from the east known as the Imperial Road. It's an important road. And when they get to Iconium, they start preaching where? It should be something we know. In the synagogues, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. They go straight to the synagogue to begin to preach, where the Jews would be worshiping. Remember, they don't want, Paul is not trying to start his own religion here. He's trying to tell them of the Jewish Messiah who has come. And some believe, and others don't. 
But as they began to, to speak, they enter the city and they speak in such a way that both Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Greeks, they believe. But those who don't begin to stir up trouble and turn people against the believers. And so they run away. No, no, they don't. They don't run away. Caught some of you. You weren't paying attention to the verses. They didn't run away. They stayed because they're not ashamed of the faith. They still, they stay, it's not until they mistreat them and get ready to stone them that they leave. And they're not leaving because they're afraid of the faith. They're not that they're afraid of dying. Uh, Peter uh, and Paul are both going to, they're going to end up being martyrs. It's not about that. It's about it's not time yet. It's not time for them to die yet. God has a plan for them. Something that would do well for all of us to remember sometimes, right? If we're not the other side of the grave, God's still got a plan for us. Something He wants us to do. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, I want you to go to church and claim your pew. <laughs> He's got something he wants us to do. And for some of us, it's big things. And for some of us, it's little things that will change the world. But he's got something he wants us to do. We all have that plan that God is driving us for, using the gifts that he has given us. And he wants us, that's something we all need to remember. That's not time yet. And so, as you continue to read, we get another section in which the two meet a man in Listeria who cannot walk. He has not been able to walk. It's very clear. It says he has not been able to walk since he was born. It's not like he was that guy who found a wheelchair and decided that he couldn't walk. He couldn't walk since he was born. But he believed. And at the command of Paul, this man is able to stand up. And he's able to get up. And he's able to move. And he has the, apparently his muscles are even restored. That wouldn't have even been there because he couldn't walk from the time he was born. And he's able to move around. What a miracle that is. Now, do you think this is the first time he's prayed for healing? Sometimes we want things to happen immediately on our timetables, don't we? But this man has been faithful for whatever length of time he has in his life. And it was at this moment for God's glory, not for his glory, but for God's glory, that the healing came out. And so he's able to get up for God's glory. And we like to focus on the healing because that's amazing and we love it and we want it. Some of us more than others, right? Some of you have got bodies that are falling apart. And you're like, I need some healing. But that's not the point of the story, is it? They don't focus on this. Instead, the people of Listeria began to proclaim godhood among these two men. They say Barnabas, and they're speaking in their own language, a language that Paul and Barnabas probably did not speak. 
So at first, they probably don't even know what's going on. But they begin to, to speak and they say, well, this man Barnabas, he is Zeus, the king of all the gods, the lightning god, the god of the sky. And Paul, since he's the one who speaks for the both, he must be Hermes, the god of the messenger, who's the spokesman for Zeus. Which sounds weird to us, but according to the myth, the, the religion, the stories of the area that would have been common knowledge, In the Greek myth, Zeus and Hermes have done this before. They've shown up and healed people before. And if you didn't worship them and show them proper hospitality, in the cases of Philemon and Bacchus, two towns that were neighbors, you might have been destroyed. Those two cities were destroyed in a flood. And so they're speaking in this language, and, and Paul and Barnabas speak Greek, the common language, the business language. And, and, and they are bestowed godhood upon them. Can you imagine the temptation that would be? I mean, some of them, no, I would not be tempted, but we make ourselves temp- gods all the time, don't we? We make ourselves gods. I know what's right. I know the best way. I can heal myself. I can fix this problem. Heck, I haven't saved myself because I said a prayer. That's not how it works, is it? But we do it all the time. And here you have people lavishing gifts on them and bestowing godhood on them. Uh, Some of us would fall to that. Some of us say, well, I'm bigger than Jesus. Our history is full of them. You go on TikTok, you see several of them. What a temptation to be our own God. But Paul and Barnabas, they... They use this opportunity not to seize power for themselves, but to show them, to speak godly, uh, boldly for Jesus Christ. And tell them about the love of Jesus and the true God. And what happens? Some people believe. Some didn't. As they're speaking boldly in Iconium, uh, the the religious people, the Jews, um, they have followed him from Antioch and Iconium, and they're the ones that are upset because they didn't get to stone him back then. Well, they're going to stone him now. Paul will be stoned. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with what stoning is, it does not mean they took a dirt clod and hit you in the back with it. It means they either pushed you off a cliff uh, of the wall and then threw stones on top of you, or they tied you up and hit you with stones until you were unconscious and dead. And there was a heap of stones upon you. This was the common way 
to show executions. The whole village would have to be involved in the execution. It sounds inhumane to us, but the more I see what we do to each other as I study history, I'm not sure what humane really means. <laughs> but they have but you know and, and there are some benefits i'm sure to stoning because the whole city would be involved with it you know like hey we're going to be sure we're all going to be you know involved with this but it was the way in which they said you are a heretic but as they are left for dead he's seriously injured but alive and this is like saying he went to the electric chair and then survived. It doesn't happen often. He survives. And we can only say it's by the grace of God because it's not time for him to be dead yet that he's not dead. It's not time yet. He has got to keep going. And he will, and I like this, instead of like going forward and like saying, okay, well, I've just been stoned. I'm going to go home and put my feet up and rest. The fourth section is he goes back the way he came, making sure the uh, the, the, the elders and the, uh, and the people are being discipled the way they should before he goes home. So he goes back into the territory. Speaking boldly. Before he gets there. So we look at these four. There are four sections in this chapter 14 that we've read. And we see what happens. You speak boldly. He speaks boldly. And what happens? People believe. Okay. Religious people force them to leave. They speak boldly. People believe. People of their faith, uh, you know, they put their faith in something they can't see, and then and 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 they then they go and speak boldly again. People believe, and then religious people follow them and stone them. And then they speak boldly, and then they eventually go home. So we have this this idea, this this returning idea in this passage that if you speak boldly for Christ, people will come to know Him. So if we're saying, well, people just don't know Jesus, well, maybe it's because we're not speaking boldly about who he is. He says, you speak boldly, people are going to come to Christ. You know what he doesn't say? We go look at this passage. He doesn't say, you speak boldly and everything's going to be okay for you. Look at Paul. He's ran out of town, persecuted, stoned. Things are not looking up for this man. But his point is, it's not about him. He's put his eyes upon Jesus Christ. His eyes are on the Lord. This is actually supposed to be a passage of encouragement. 
Because we serve a God, and if our eyes are on Jesus, He is winning the race. He's winning. Now, if we look through our own eyes, we say, well, things may not be going so well for Paul. And see, a lot of times when, when we look at God, we say, well, people come to Christ. But when we look in our own eyes, we start to say, well, maybe I want everything to be rosy, right? I want the hedge of protection around me. I want everything to be smooth. I don't want problems in my life. And see, part of the problem we see in a lot of our world today is not because Christ has changed, it's because we've taken our eyes off of Him and put it on the roses. I want comfort. I want things to be good for me. I don't want to speak boldly. I want the roses that look good. You know, roses have thorns. (laughs) Because when we put our eyes on where it shouldn't be, we end up getting stung. But if we take our eyes and we say, I want to put them on Jesus Christ, I'm going to win the race for Christ, things may not go as you had planned. But they will go for His glory. That means we must fix our eyes on Him in our actions. We must put on our words and in where we look. We must go forward with the goals of Christ in mind, which means we have things like, like we cannot focus as a church. We cannot focus on the numbers because that's something that our world, our desires is. I want to focus on the numbers. I want people here, and you should too. I'm glad people want to come to church. But, you know, we don't solve that by focusing on the numbers. If we want more people here, we focus on Him. And we speak boldly the word of Jesus Christ, and then people will come. We've got to put our focus on Him. We've got to put our focus on Him in our, our family lives. We don't use the Bible to beat other people over the head with. We use Jesus to guide how we parents how we grandparent, how we adopted spiritual parents, how we disciple. And sometimes we get it wrong because we're not perfect. But we focus on Jesus. And when we speak, people will believe. Now, not everybody will believe. Some people will always refuse. But that isn't for you to decide, is it? You win if you tell them about Christ. You win if they accept it. You win if they refuse you. They win if they say, well, maybe next time. You win because you did what you were supposed to do. The only way you lose in this is if you keep your mouth shut. 
And the thing about it is, is we don't have to say, well, I'm going to do it just like Paul and Barnabas did. Because you're not Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas don't even do it the same way. Notice Paul's out there doing all the speaking. Barnabas has other things he's doing. God has given you gifts. You need to be in prayer. How does that manifest in the world we're living in today? And I know we all said, well, I used to could. I used to. The world has changed since you used to. We cannot expect what we used to to be the same as it always is because the only thing that doesn't change is God. So the way He manifests His gift in you is going to change. So we may pray, how do I use the gifts God has given me in a new world that has changed so drastically for so many of us in just a short period of time? We have been torn upside down, thrown through the ringer, haven't we? last two years have been rough for a lot of us. Some of you rougher than others. Church has gone through a lot of changes. We're going to continue to go through changes. City's gone through changes. Nation's going through changes. Sometimes it seems like so much change, we just can't keep up with it all. And it can go seem so disheartening. But what a blessing we are able to face these troubles together. And be together. Even those of you who are joining us online are, are together with us. And what a blessing that, that we are now able to join together. Where before we might send you a CD. <laughs> now you're here with us now. And what a blessing that is. As we face untroubled time, we cannot let it distract us. And yes, that is exactly what the temptation is, is to distract us from speaking boldly the message of Jesus Christ. And we can get caught up in all the other things that we like to get. Well, what about this? And what about this? The Bible might have said this. And the Bible might. What's the message of Jesus Christ? We can say it in the resurrection. You need a Savior. That's what the Bible says, right? You cannot do it on your own. The wages of death, the uh, wages of sin is death. That's what it says. And we are all guilty, it says. But yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that we may have eternal life. And it says if we put our faith in Him, our belief in Him, or confess it with our mouth, believe it in our hearts, we will be saved. What a blessing. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about our next steps, we think about what does that mean for me next? For some of you, it may be, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. I need to say, I believe in Jesus 
as both my king and my God. He's the one who has saved me from the punishment of my sin. I want to, and we, we, we have what's called the Lord's Prayer. It's not in the Bible, but it's an, it's an easy way to say I believe, but it's not, just because you say a prayer doesn't mean anything. It has to be a belief in your heart. And God, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. I believe in you. For some of you, maybe I need to follow him in baptism. Say, I believe in him, but I need to take that step of obedience and say, I'm going to show the world that I've been baptized, I've been buried with him, and I'm going to raise to walk with him in a newness of life. We have a baptism actually next week, right at the beginning of this service. So if you need to sign up for that, now is maybe the time you come forward. We'll get you to fill out the paperwork, and we'll get get you on the on the in the in the in the stringer. <laughs> for some of you, you know, as we've been going through the Book of Acts, there's been a major call to tell people about Christ using the gifts you have, and and you know, I encourage you make your goal. It's, it's 2022. Make a goal. To witness to one more person than you did last year. For some of you, that means one. For some of you, that may mean you got ten on your roster this year. Witness to one more person. But not only just tell about Christ, how can we raise up those who have accepted Christ as disciples? For some of you, you need to begin the discipleship journey and you need to get involved with other things more than just coming on Sunday mornings. We've got classes on Sunday nights and we've got uh, two, I mean, su- Tuesday mornings and Tuesday nights and, and uh, the Sunday schools and we've got all the different classes going on and we've always got more going on than I can keep up with, right? Pick one. <laughs> Whatever night works good for you. Maybe you need to get more involved. Maybe you've been sitting on the pew too long and it's time for you to start serving. You know one of the ways you can say you've been sitting in the pew too long and not doing what you're supposed to be doing? This is just one of the ways you can tell. When you start saying, well, I'm not really getting anything out of church anymore. Because if you're not really getting anything out of church, it's because you're not where you need to be. And going to another building ain't going to solve that problem. Going online and hearing the best preacher in the world ain't going to solve that problem. So if you're saying, I'm just not getting anything out of church, well, maybe it's because you're not. Where can you get involved? We've got lots of next steps, lots of things. Everyone in this room shouldn't be like, I walk out of here and I should say, well, I ain't got nothing else to do. We've all got that next step we need to take. What's yours? Father God, I praise you today. Lord, we lift you up. Lord, I pray that you will reveal your next step to us. Lord, I pray that you will show us exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Help us to speak boldly with proclamation that you are king. We know you are love, but we know you are also judge. And so, Lord, we know that heaven is for real. And so is hell. Lord, 
Help us to be focused on you as we proclaim boldly, you are king. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.